Good morning. I want you to listen to this line. Keith here yet? Because I've already got tears in my eyes. Um, uh, welcome to church. And uh, that uh, is, is um, Rocky Top. Uh, it's the, the, the rammer jammer or whatever other song that you want to think that will pump you up and get you excited. That's, that's mine. Uh, the songs that we're playing, uh, four of the five songs were written by my father. Um, Jesus is Coming Soon was written in 1942, one week after Roosevelt declared war in Japan, uh, and we'll, we'll see Jesus coming soon at the end. But the other four songs were written by my father. Now, I've prayed for the last, well, two or three days, um, earnestly on, on excitement and passion. Last week, when Keith opened up uh, Sunday School in prayer, he prayed for his passion and what he says, come, that God's words comes out of Keith's mouth, and I think Keith did an amazing job last week. This week, I was praying for myself for several things. One is that I show the excitement of Revelations uh, 19 and 20. Revelation 19 and 20. And I was upset with Jim because I didn't get the last, the end of it. Uh, I'm like the chapter before the end of the book. So um, I, I pray for my excitement and my passion. And my wife this morning said, I don't approve of your outfit. Uh, it's December. And I said, well, I'm teaching Sunday school this morning. And she says, I still don't approve of your outfit. I kissed her on the cheek. And she said, I still don't approve of your outfit. This was part of my prayer, that you can see my excitement. And you can feel the excitement. And, and that when I get excited, several things happen to me. My body heat goes way up. So sweat might start dripping off my nose and those old southern preachers that you see the spit coming out their mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. The other thing that happens to me when I get excited, when I speak passionately about something, is I, I start talking really fast. And, and, and I really don't pay attention to myself when I speak. And sometimes I say things and I go, I don't remember saying that at all. And so I pray that, that, that my excitement is shown and that you get part get a hold of that excitement and that you can understand me and that I and if I start speaking too fast someone please just say slow down uh, and I, I'm sure he will tell me that several times so okay revelations revelation last revelation of Jesus Christ chapter 19 and if you look at your your handouts uh, I told Jim uh, I don't have any blanks and so when I got to Sunday school this morning <coughs> I said, wow, there's a bunch of blanks on that. There's just nothing. That's pretty cool. So we'll start. First one. 
After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor, power belong to the Lord our God. I believe that the word hallelujah is one of the most overused words that we have. We say this all the time. We hear it all the time. It doesn't matter if it's during the work week or if it's at church. We hear hallelujah, hallelujah. What does the word hallelujah mean? What does it translate from the Greek? Does anyone know? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Guess how many times the word hallelujah, the word hallelujah, is used in the Bible. The phrase praise the Lord is used around 20 times. Most of that is in the book of Psalms. The phrase praise the Lord. The word hallelujah is used four times in the next four or five verses. The only time in the book of the Bible, or the book, or the Bible, that the word hallelujah is four times. It's a very special word reserved for a very special celebration, okay? I don't want to have you think that we should, hallelujah, it's a very special word, okay? It's used four times in the, book, in, in the Bible right here. Verse 2, for true and righteous are his judgments. Because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Hallelujah. Second time. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And we're, this is looking at the great harlot, in which we're looking at uh, the end times. Um, and, and it depends on who you, what commentaries you read, what you listen to. Uh, this great harlot, it could either be. Governments of the world. I, I, I'm not into this. I, I'm, uh, my grandfather's favorite books of the Bible were Daniel and Revelation, and he was big into prophecy. And I think it's neat, and, prophecy, and, and, it, and it's neat to see the things that God has said and things that's done and things that we're looking forward to. Uh, but I, I'm not smart enough to understand all the, the, the symbol, symbology and, and all this stuff. But, but a lot of people say this great Harley is the world. It's just the government, whether it's the economic or the political scene. Um, and smoke rises up forever and ever. <coughs> uh, what was the garbage dumped outside of Jerusalem? Ghana? Ghana? Uh, when, when a lot of the words that we see in the Bible, when we go back to the original, when they talk about hell or shill uh, it, or Ghana, um, there was a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem where they would just burn everything. And it was, just, it, it was constantly burning. Just, that's their, their trash heap. Um, and you didn't want to be there. I mean, it, it, it stunk, and it was just smoke. So this is a reference to this, where her smoke uh, rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, al hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both greater and small. Now, I've done several personal Bible st story, uh, st uh, studies um, for the last 30 years, on this word fear when it's used in the Bible um, and I went through every connotation of the word fear that you can think of in reference to, to, to God you know to fear God you know am I trembling and shaking ah it's Jason from Friday the 13th uh, 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 the, the, the word fear here it's used as, as um, reverence and obedience and those who fear God obey him and, 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 and he's special. So it, it's not the, the scared type of fear. So here we are. Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear, obey, and, and, and hold him in reverence. 
both great and small. Doesn't matter if you're a little peon sleeping in the streets or you're the king of the world, all who fear him. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. Now, I'm in, uh, John's a great writer. Um, Can you imagine being at Vanderbilt Stadium last month, a minute to go in the game, Vanderbilt has not beaten Tennessee at home in 20-some-odd years. They have scored more points against Tennessee this year than they have, I think, in the last combined 200 years. It's 40, 40, amen, 42 to 20 or whatever it was. Can you imagine the noise in that stadium? If you've been to a Tennessee football game or an Alabama game, the Florida game, when your team comes, the home team comes running out of the tunnel before the game, the roar, the music's playing, the crowd standing and all the colors and the pageantry, the roar. Have you ever been by a really big, Niagara Falls, have you ever been by a big waterfall standing right beside it and the roar that you hear? It's not, oh man, that hurts my ear roar. It's a noise that you can feel. I mean, it's the vibration. And, 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 and you just, it's, you get goosebumps. It's just that kind of loud. And this is what John heard right here. Uh, I heard a voice of a great multitude. It wasn't an angel speaking. This was a multitude of people. The sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is righteousness uh, is the righteousness of acts of the saints. <laughs> the church is the bride. Um, and, and I asked several people the last few weeks about this. We've heard this a lot. We've heard it here in Sunday school. We've heard this from the pulpit about the bride, or the church being the bride. And I asked someone that I respect in their, in their biblical uh, passion and wisdom this week uh, to explain some of this stuff about the, the, the bride and, and the wedding and the response I got was, was huge, and it made me more confused, made me squinch up my face. I'm not sure if squinch is a word, but it, that's a squinch. It, and I, I asked for clarification, and I got another response, and I just, it made me more confused. Uh, because the response was that the church is the bride, okay? We're the bride. Um, and uh, we're blemished, we're ugly. Uh, we've got rags as clothes, and we're making ourselves ready. And his wife has made herself ready. Now, the little hiccup I had here was the wife has made herself ready. So the church has made out ourselves ready. And is that implying that it's works that we've got to do to make ourselves ready? Um, and this whole works thing, I'm a saved by gracer, uh, and this whole work thing, um, it kind of threw me for a loop. Are we doing something uh, to prepare ourselves? And I feel that this is what we're doing. Um, we're blemished, we're ugly, the hair's all messed up, we've got rags and mud and dirt splattered all over us. Uh, but when Jesus returns uh, as, as the bridegroom, um, his love, he is going to make us ready. Okay? Now, 
we'll get into this in a second, but how long is that going to take on making, our, making the bride ready and beautiful and unblemished? We'll get into that in just a second. I think I'm skipping some of my parts here. And then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. Now, if we go back up and look, we're not, this, John's not falling to his feet in front of Jesus or God. This is an angel. He saw an angel. This angel appears and he's telling these things and John's seeing these things. And John falls to his feet in worship. Now, I, I can't imagine any of us being anywhere when some supernatural being appears to us and there's noise and there's trumpets and there's confetti and Mardi Gras beats and the whole bit and this, this supernatural entity is, is saying all this stuff and we're just not in awe and we can feel that love that we've been hoping for all these years and here's this and we go oh and we fall down and it's not God this is an angel a messenger and the angel says what are you doing you get up I'm just like you we're, we're servants we're fellow servants don't don't praise me I think this is this is a really neat verse and I'm not sure if I'm sure if everything's been preached but this would be a great sermon on on how we need to worship and who we need to worship we've heard great preachers and we're blessed here at this church and having really great preachers in my opinion I've been to churches I've heard people preach that I would it was a waste of time uh, it, I mean it was just you barely keep your eyes open that's probably times I mean just me myself you know what I'm talking about. You just just bad preaching. Um, we have to be careful not to worship the messenger. Um, lots of uh, Rick Warren, um, great great preacher, great author. Has written some great Bible studies. Air Salt Group. If you're not in a Salt Group, I told I tell Chandelier and Keith every time I, I publicly speak, I, I promote Salt and Small Group. Uh, if you're not a member of a small group or a salt group, you need to. It's awesome. It's great. Um, but in our salt group, we have done a couple of Bible studies by Rick Warren, and it's awesome. I mean, it's really great. But we have to be careful not to worship that. We worship the message, not the messenger. We've we got to be really careful with that, okay? And I think this verse here is uh, where the angel says, get up. You know, don't worship me. I think that would be a, a great preaching thing. So, Jim, you can write that down the next time you preach on a Sunday night. Angel says, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the, is the spirit of prophecy. Um, next section, I'm going to refer back to Keith. I really enjoyed Keith's lesson last week. He did an awesome job. Um, he talked about a different form of Bible, Bible study, <coughs> personalization. When, when uh, I think he used Jesse. Uh, he, you know, he read a Bible verse, and instead of, you know, he used Jesse's name in the Bible verse. And that's a great way to study the Bible. Um, and there's several different methods. And, again, salt group plug. Uh, we did a Bible study a few weeks ago um, on, and it was a Rick Warren Bible study, actually. Uh, Bible study method. And, and it really made you look um, at these methods individually to see how, what you personally could get out of it and how you should study the body. We're, we're all not the same and each of us learn differently. Okay? The method that, that, that I do better with is visualization where it's almost like there's a movie being played in my head 
and I'm, I'm standing there, whether I'm taking part of that you know, Bible story uh, or if I'm watching it, that's how I, I get it. And, and these next verses, with me standing right there watching all this stuff, I, it just, it gets, I get goosebumps. Um, I wish I, we would have saved the drawings uh, years ago. Vicky and, I, Vicky and I and Destin taught uh, fourth and fifth grade Sunday school class. Um, and, and, and the pastor's child was, was severe ADD and, and pain in the neck and uh, would hardly ever pay attention. He was always disrupting the class. And, and so we would, we would, you know, do the thing you do in Sunday school. You, oh, let's pray, baby. And we'd do a little lesson, and they, I'd lose them within the first five or six minutes. And, and, but I was, I was, well, what can I do? I've got 45 more minutes of Sunday school. We're finished with the lesson already. Uh, <laughs> what can we do? Churchy to get these guys, these kids, boys and girls, fourth, fifth grade, keep their attention and have them somewhat wanting to learn Bible stuff. So, I, without asking the pastor, the Sunday school director, I said, we'll go through revelations with these 10-year-olds. <laughs> and as we read a verse, they will draw that verse, what they picture it as. And I didn't, we didn't do every verse. We did the the verses, you know, the beast with the horns and the mortal wound that healed and, and, and the bowls and the trumpets and the, and the beast from this, the seas. We did. And, the, I mean, they got into it. I mean, they, lo- they would say, are you done with the lesson? Yeah, Goliath was big, but he was understanding. Let's get to Revelation. And they just want to draw. And they did some great, I mean, it was pretty awesome. I mean, we, you know, we at Sunday school, they go to, you know, we, man, look at that one. That's really good. Ten crowns and all the blasphemous names. Like, oh, that's me. <laughs> well, it's a ten-year-old, you know. <laughs> um, um, so that's how I. So this next section, you know, if, if 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 just visualize it and 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 see, not how scary it's going to be, and not how that that word fear, not not the, the oh my goodness, it's it's the reverence and the, the obedience, the fear that we're showing God, and the excitement of these next verses. Okay, where are we? Uh, Nineteen eleven. 1911, I'm out of the passage. Then I saw, this is John speaking, then I saw heaven open wide, and oh, that's what it says here, and oh, just that by itself, and I saw heaven open wide. A white horse and its rider, the rider named Faithful and True, judges and makes war in pure righteousness. Now these words, Faithful and True, uh, these are, are other names of God. What's the difference between faithful and true? Anyone? What's the difference between faithful and true? And this is your opinion, because I'm going to share mine in a second. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> so you can talk now. Faithful if, is the confidence... When we're, we have faith in our spouse, we are confident. We're confident that she's going to hold to those vows that we made 20 years ago. Okay? Truth is what? A standard. Okay? So, when it's, John says here that his name was faithful and true, how do we put that, the meaning of what we just described, how do we put that onto God? What is, how is God faithful? He's faithful 
because we are confident in what he says is going to happen. Okay? That's faith. We are confident. It's not, I, I don't want to, because the way the English language, if I say faith and trust, a lot of people say that's the same thing. Okay? Faith to me is knowing without a doubt, knowing without a doubt that his word is the truth, which is the standard okay, that we live by. So he, John, the heavens open up, and here comes a white horse and a rider. His name is Faithful and True, and he is, he's judging and having war by righteousness. Um, now, if Amy and myself got in an argument, where's Matt? Jim, go, get in bed with him. <laughs> okay, let me explain some things. A few weeks ago, Amy's husband, Matt, or Amy, <laughs> time out, okay, we'll time out. Matt, <laughs> here we go down the spiral. Um, I made a joke on Facebook a few weeks ago to get Matt to church more often that, that I would send Jim or or Terry or Keith to their house and have Jim snuggle up in Matt in bed just so Matt will oh, and get out of bed and 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 that's a joke. So it's a joke. It means nothing. So anyway, talking too fast. We should just edit that part from all the last ten minutes out. So um, Amy and I will have a fight, okay? Um, and whatever the reason is for the fight, you know, it's the same. It's I'm. What I say is true, what she says is true, and then there's the truth, okay? We're both right, but we're not, neither one is right. When he, this white, when the rider on the white horse shows up and he's, ju he's judging and, and the wars by righteousness, it's with cause. I mean, he's right. There's no other story. There's nothing, there's no other side to this fight. He's coming back in righteousness. Where am I? Twelve. 12. That's right after 11. His eyes are a blaze of fire. Um, and this denotes that his all-seeing vision, his, 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 he can look and just know. I mean, it, it burns. He just knows everything. Um, on his head, many crowns. Now, if we go back to earlier Revelation, uh, I believe it's 7, the beast shows up with, with uh, uh, seven heads and crowns and stuff. Um, when I read this, and really studied this the last few weeks, um, on his head, many crowns. So we're looking at you know, one person and on many crowns. And that when I was studied on this many crown thing, and this, just, this is just representative of his many conquests, and it's just not what's happening now. It's what's happened in you know, the time of Paul, the time of John, happened in the time of Abraham, all these conquests and these many crowns. He has a name inscribed that's known only to himself. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood, uh, and he is addressed as the word of God. Now, uh, the word, what is the, uh, the word that's only known to him that we don't know, the unpronounceable word? Uh, what is the word that the, the Jewish folks use uh, in replace? Huh? Yahweh. Yahweh. And then the Jehovah thing comes up here a little bit. Another word, what do the, when, when, when uh, uh, Jews uh, read their scriptures, um, they use Adonai. Um, and, and so, but this word, and again, if you read commentaries, this, this unpronounceable word has been lost, uh, and, and most of the commentaries say it, from about the time of Babylon. 
because when, when, when Babylon, Tower of Babylon, and, and the world, sca- people scattered, this name was just forgotten, uh, uh, how to pronounce it. So, when, whenever you see something where it says the unpronounceable, the unknown name of God, it's referring to this, this, this word uh, that we don't know. Uh, and with the, if we knew it, we couldn't understand it. Um, and he's dressed robes soaked with blood. Now, this isn't the blood of Jesus from the cross. Uh, this is the blood of the enemies, the non-believers. The, the uh, 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 more time you get blood splattered all over you. Um, and he addressed. He is addressed as the Word of God. The armies of heaven. Now, the original word it, for armies is stratemata, and it means armed forces. That is the original word is stratemata, um, and it means armed forces. And this army is composed. Of, of Old Testament saints, okay? Now, in your imagination, what is an armed force? Modern military. If we, if we imagined an armed soldier right here, what all does he have with him? Stuff, weapons and things that help him around. Okay, so here we got John saying this armed force shows up with this rider. So we got this white horse. Heavens open up. John's sitting there. Uh, heavens open up, and there's a white, white horse with a rider, and it's got the unpronounceable name uh, of God, and it's faithful and just and truth and righteousness. And behind him is this multitude, an armed force, ready and getting ready for battle. Okay? Now, we're picturing this. This huge army, good gracious, shows up. Dressed in dazzling white linen, followed him. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth, so he can subdue the nations. And this is—I mean, what is this? What is the? What is this referencing to? A sharp sword comes out of his mouth. The truth. Okay. He shows up. This rider on the white horse, huge multitude of armed force. And this wins. What's the armed force do? There's not a battle, okay? There's not a battle. This rider on the white horse shows up and does that. That wouldn't be a very good war movie, would it? Then rule them with a rod of iron. Now, uh, the rod of iron, um, this is not uh, a dictatorship. It's not a dictatorship where he's ruling um, by being harsh. Uh, uh, We can go back to Isaiah when he talks about being ruled by the rod of iron, and that's just being fair, being strict in the rules and your laws, but being fair. He treads the winepress of of the rage of the wrath of God. If we go back again to Isaiah and the winepress, here it's symbolizing total destruction. Okay, when you're when you're making wine, when you're crushing grapes, and you got your big barrel, and you, you know you, people doing that, or the wine press where they twist it down and it squishes, squish a word, squishes the grapes. Okay, to squeeze it utterly destroys the fruit. It destroys that grape. So whenever you see this in reference in the Bible, the wine press of His wrath, it's utter and complete destruction. Okay, this, uh, the sovereign strong on His robe. And thigh is written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Who has a tattoo?
what's your opinion on tattoos? I don't like them. I don't. I don't know why I don't like them. I don't. It's, I'll go back to that. Oh, I should be like Church of God or something. Because, you know, the whole jewelry thing and, and dressing up to come to church and decorating your body. I know. I, saw, I know you didn't raise your hand. Um, and I know you have a tattoo. Um, but here, here we, we have a tattoo. On his robe and on his thigh is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, all throughout history, armies and military leaders awarded their heroes with tattoos. Sometimes tattoos right here. Now, when I wear a tattoo on your thigh, eh, but you got to think they got their fighting dresses on, their, their kilts and stuff like that, or their robes. But they have tattoos, or tattoos on their chest or tattoos on their back. And, that's, and when you saw, you can go, I mean, when the opposing force saw this person or people coming with these tattoos, knowing, oh, man, here come the heroes. Here comes the so Here comes the Delta Force, the special. So here, here's a picture of Jesus coming as a conquering soldier, as a hero. And he's got his name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, on his robe, on his outfit, and on his side. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. Um, again, you know, there's the sun and there's the angel's face. Uh, an angel somewhere in the light of the Lord, okay? I saw this angel uh, standing in the sun, shouting to all flying birds, in, again, picture this. In middle heaven, come to the great supper of God. Feast on the flesh of kings and captains and champions, horses and their riders. Eat your fill of all them, free, slave, small, and great. Now, that's one of those verses that you kind of go, where did that come from? You know, this angel standing in the sun in the magnificence of our Lord and Savior says, hey, all you birds, come eat. Again, we're going back to the wine press of the wrath of God. Utter destruction. And there'll be mounds of dead stuff. And, uh, and, and, and John sees all these carrying, all the, these, these vultures coming to eat from the bodies of the dead. And it's, it, it, it doesn't make a difference. It's, it's, it's the small, the great, the kings, the peons, the animals. Um, it, there'll be just a bunch of dead. I saw, where am I? I saw the beast and assembled with him earth's kings and their armies ready to make war against one of one, the one on the horse in his army. The beast was taken, and with him his puppet, the false prophet, who used signs to dazzle and deceive those who had taken the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. They were thrown alive, those two, into the lake of fire and brimstone. The rest were killed by the sword of the one on the horse, the sword that comes from his mouth, and the birds held a feast on their flesh. Now, uh, I asked this past week, I asked Keith about the beast, because there's two beasts, and then there's the false prophet, and I asked Keith about the beast, and he goes, I, 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 I read that, you know, I have no idea. And then I asked one of the pastors here, Brian, this week, Keith and I, Brian, this beast here in chapter 19, he, and Brian goes, oh, no, really? Mm-mm, you don't even give me any hint? He goes, no, I, I'm going to skip this part, okay? <laughs> this beast thing, I don't know. You know, the puppet thing, uh, he, he's a trickster. They're liars. Um, but what I want you to get here was this is the battle. This is when all these forces collide in this epic, huge battle with swords and spears and pikes and man, whoever. And, and this is what happens. Armies show up to face each other, period. The beast was taken. There is no war. There is no fighting going on. These two armies show up to oppose one another, and the beast is taken. 
That's it, okay? And the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the lake of fire, okay? We'll get that in a second. 20, I know, I've just got a few minutes. I saw an angel descending out of heaven. Again, John sees, so far he's seen one angel and has heard three angels. Here's the, four, the second angel that he has seen. I saw an angel descending out of heaven. He carried the key to the abyss and a chain, a huge chain. He grabbed the dragon, the, that old snake, the very devil, Satan himself, chained him up for a thousand years, dumped him into the abyss, slammed it shut, sealed it tight. No more, uh, no more trouble out of him. Deceiving the nations, stop, until the thousand years are up. After that, he has to be let loose briefly. That was a lot for two verses. Um, so this angel, John sees this angel shows up with a chain. Who knows what kind of chain it is? I don't know if it's a little chain that we can think of or if it's just something else. And he goes down to the abyss and he chains Satan up. Not the beast, not the false prophet, but Satan himself. He chains up uh, for a thousand years. Now this thousand year reign, what is that known as? The millennium, okay? Um, again, there's much better speakers than I on this. Um, but it's going to be a thousand years, and then Satan's going to be let loose. Now, for these thousand years, we are free. The world is free of Satan's lies. Okay, and if you've heard almost heaven, you know almost heaven, West Virginia, almost. This is almost heaven. Okay, because man is not going to be deceived by Satan anymore, and Jesus is actually going to be ruling here. Okay, but scripturally. Um, There'll still be conflict. You know, we might, we're still not going to agree on everything. Nations will have conflicts. There's not going to be any wars. We're not going to fight. That's going to be taken care of from the throne. Uh, but there's still going to be conflict. And at the end of this thousand years, it, it's gotten back to a time that I feel we're in now, where there's people that, that fear the Lord. They, they, they have him in reverence, and they obey him. And there'll be some, like me, that go to church, and we try to obey, and we try to be as reverent as possible, and then there's some that just, just totally don't get it, okay? This is the thousand-year thing, okay? Because Satan has to be let loose briefly. John again says, I saw thrones, and on these thrones, uh, those put in charge of judgment sat on the thrones. Also, so, so, I also saw the souls of those beheaded because of their witness to Jesus Christ. Uh, again, executed, murdered, um, martyrs, who refused to worship either the beast or his image, refused to take the mark on the forehead or hand. They lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years were up. This is the first resurrection, and those involved most blessed, most holy. No second death for them. They're priests of God in Christ, and they'll reign with him for a thousand years. And you're more than welcome to do your own Bible study on that, okay? Because it is extremely confusing for me on who is going to be here for this thousand years. I, I if it's Old Testament saints uh, and the murdered in the name of Jesus, or if it's them and us, if it's... I, uh, do your own study on that part because there's much better stuff than, than the stuff that I can even put together. When the thousand years are up, Satan will be let loose from his cell and will launch again his old work of deceiving the nations, searching out victims in every nook and cranny 
um, even Gog and Magog, he'll talk them into going to war and will gather a huge army, millions strong. They'll stream across the earth, surround and lay siege to the camp of God's holy people, the beloved city. They'll no sooner get there than the fire will pour out of heaven and burn them up. The devil who deceived them will be hurled back into the lake of fire and brimstone. Join the beast and the false prophet, the three in torment around the clock for ages without end. Here we are again. Almost heaven. This millennium period, this thousand year reign. Almost heaven. Almost heaven. Okay? The white horse and the rider is here. He is, he is he's here. Okay? And still shows the lack, total lack of smartness that we have. There's still, in these thousand years, almost heaven. There's still people that's not going to believe. And, the, I mean, now it's not even believing and having faith in the truth. There's stuff that you're seeing. And they're still not going to believe. I don't know which is more sad, us or them. And then Satan's let loose, and he gets an army to go against his beloved people in the new Jeru- in Jerusalem, okay? And this happens again. There's not a battle. There's not a fight. The truth comes out again in total, utter destruction of those folks. Nothing, okay? That's the end of the thousand years. And the devil, the beast, and the false prophet back into the lake of fire and the rest of the dead the rest of the dead are the unbelievers the rest of the dead are cast into the lake of fire now um, another salt group plug we did a bible study some time ago on on um, was it raising was it era- I always say raising hell it's erasing hell okay erasing hell <laughs> I always said that. Raising hell. Oh, it's erasing hell. Erasing hell. And, and um, what is hell? You know, it's the dude with the horns and the pitchfork and the tail and the fire and no drop of no water. No, oh, I'm thirsty. Uh, yeah. But what is hell? And how can we, do you know you're in hell? You're, hell, what we learned in our study was forever and ever you will be conscious and know that you are out of the presence of God and that, that you'll, you'll be, in, in, in the Bible, Scripture, there's references to burning, where you're just burning, not just to a pile of dust, you're just burning and you know that you're not around God, okay? That's hell. And so all this stuff, the rest of the dead, the false prophet, the beast, and Satan himself would be cast into the lake of, of fire, hell, and to torment forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with no end but for the rest of us. I saw a great white throne and on, on the one enthroned, nothing could stand before against the presence. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth. And I saw all the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, the book of life. We've got the judgment book, okay? 
And, well, first, the first folks are standing before the, the throne of God. Now, there's some commentaries that say that believers will not stand before the, the throne of God. This is the rest of the dead people standing before the throne of God. And then he cast them into the lake of fire. Then the second book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the book by the way they had lived. This is going to include us, or believers, okay? We will stand before the throne of judgment. And ever since growing up, my mind, my picture, was sitting there with all my family behind me. This is my sister. With my mom and dad and sister, and then my grandparents and my cousins and aunt and uncles, and then all my friends and everyone I've ever talked about Jesus to, all these people, and we're watching the movie of my life. <laughs> you skip this part. This is, this is it, okay? He's going to sit there and judge our life by what we did. All of us. This is the book of life. But then there's a little phrase and something that happened several chapters before, or several books before this. Scripturally, it says, you will be judged by what you have done. And then Jesus satisfy all of that what you have done all those bad words and things and thoughts will be burned the word burned in the scripture is the same word that is used earlier in this book okay. I forget the reference um, those sins will be burned as if they have never happened so consciously am I going to sit in this chair with my sister behind me Seeing all this stuff, going, oh my, I can't believe you did that. You did. And then all of a sudden she forgets because Jesus, I don't know. But all things that we have done in this right here will be burned as if they have never happened. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. The dead were judged by what was written in books, by the way they had lived. The sea released its dead. Uh, this is referencing to all those folks who have died, uh, the, the not, not buried, uh, whether they were sailors and they're in the sea. All those in the sea released it. Death and hell turned, into, turned their dead in. Each man and woman was judged by the way she had, he or she had lived their life. Then, <laughs> then death and hell were hurled into the lake of fire. God reached down, besides washing me, he reached down and got that power that we're living under, that sin nature, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we will all die. God reaches down and gets death, death itself, and death This is the second death, the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found inscribed in the book of life was hurled into the book of fire. If your name's not in that book of life, thank you for coming to church. Thank you for coming to Sunday school. Get involved in a small group. But if, you're, if you haven't made that commitment, if you haven't stepped forward, whether it's in front of a church room full of people or in your bedroom kneeling down by your bed, if you haven't made that commitment, take Jesus right here. He's here already. But you have to open up the door a little bit so he can show out. If you haven't made that commitment to Jesus, this is your, this is your it. You will be hurled.
forever and ever and ever and eventually burning term torment. But if you're one of those few people, like I hope all of us are, that we have Jesus. We need to live out loud. What's right here? Okay? You're saved. It's not by anything you have done because the things you have done that are bad because of Jesus will be gone, will be burned up. We will be judged by that. But the judge will say, you're innocent because of him that hung from the cross.